Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best 80s one-hit wonder. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. What makes a one-hit wonder, How Is the one-hit wonder the band or is the song the wonder? It's collectively, it's a band that had one hit. They were able to get, it's very hard as any kind of a band, as Cassandra, who suggested this, probably knows. Hi, Cassandra. Any kind of a hit. I assume Cassandra is in a band like the TV show, The Heights. <laughs> How, do How do you, you talk, talk to an angel? Exactly. <laughs> so to create a hit, to have any have a hit at all is a big deal. So it's both the band and the song. But I think we're going to find that the song generally outlives the band. But before we even get into it, we're going to need some help. We can't discuss these criteria alone. So we are here to welcome our amazing guest, the host of Technical Difficulties and also Dessert Men, which I have a lot of questions about, Dwayne Burke. <laughs> What is up, Dwayne? Welcome. Uh, thank you guys for having me. So, so happy to be here. <laughs> what is this dessert podcast? Yeah. Tell us about desserts. Um, so it, it's not actually, it's not Hal actually, just nestled uh, in like he was pulling a blanket up to his yeah. neck. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy. <laughs> it's actually not about dessert. It's a pop culture show where we kind of just talk about everything that happened over the past week. Uh, it's with my co-host Aiden Kosick. The name comes from a group chat that we were in where someone called us both snacks. And oh, ooh. We, and we just That's a compliment. I can yeah, see it. it was it was a compliment and we were like that's a perfect name for a show. Let's <laughs> let's run with that. <laughs> that's very good. Well, despite the fact that I wanted to also talk about desserts, I'm very happy to hear it. It's a great story. Uh, I'm so sorry, topic. Hal. We, it's fine. I'm going to get over it. I, it. Just give me half of the episode and you'll know when it's happened. I'll, my tone will change. Dwayne, you picked this topic. What is it about 80s one hit wonders that sort of drew you in? When I looked at all of the topics that were rolling around in my head, I was like, which ones could I possibly talk about? And I was like, sure. I can do this one for sure. <laughs> this one. And I was like, 80s one hit wonders. Cause one of my favorite songs is on the list that, Ooh. uh, of songs. And it's the song that we used to play, me and my group of friends, on our way to like go out <laughs> for nights at, on the town. Sure. And uh, when we get to that song, I'll announce it. But it's it's on the list. It is definitely a one-hit wonder. And I wasn't alive for the 80s, but the music mm-hmm. back then was so much more diverse than it is now. So I liked it. Like I like 80s music yeah. a lot. It's it's an interesting time for music, and you're luckily talking to two gentlemen who were alive for the entire decade. Yeah. Although very young at the beginning very young, and very slightly young. older, going to dances by the end of the decade. I was not going to dances by the end. I went to my first dance at the end of the decade. Aww. Yeah. How do yeah, how was I, it? I asked the, the girl that everybody wanted to ask, and she said yes, because nobody had asked her. And then we danced one time, and I spent the rest of the time up against the wall of the smaller gym. <laughs> what's i think i think what you're tapping into there in the 80s is that there are a lot of different forms of music that are either maturing or being born you have sort of hip-hop mm-hmm. coming into its own but also punk is kind of branching out into a bunch of different directions the early electronic music birth of heavy metal kind of growing up heavy metal 
So there's, yeah, there's a lot going on. So there are a ton of songs here that are not similar to one another at all, mm-hmm. which is kind of what's great about this list, which was put together by Kate McManus on the shortest possible notice. Cause in my the mind, brilliant. Like, we'll all know this. We know yeah. the songs that are going to carry through, but our producer, Ken Plume, the organizer that he is said, you should put a list together. So yeah. I reached out to Kate and she put this one together within hours. Yeah. She pulled all of these. One thing I, I wanted to say something about, since we're talking about 80s music in general, a thing that I love about 80s music, and a lot of these represent that, is that this seems like the time when if you claimed it was a certain musical instrument, it was that. So that's a bass. Okay, sure. That's a bass. It was the beginning of these electronic sounds like you listen to She Drives Me Crazy. There's nothing in that song that sounds like drums. And yet it's got a great beat. It's just that the snare is, you know, it's like these, like any sound. Is this what the bass is? Great. We'll call that the bass because it's deep. This will be the drum part. This will be the keys part. But it's that sort of electronic coming into uh, the game that is one of the things I love about 80s music. Yeah. As exemplified by many artists that we will not talk about today because Madonna, Prince, Michael Jackson, uh, none of these were one hit wonders. And that is what we are here to talk about. I think in order to break this down and make it a little bit more manageable, because it is a giant list of songs that we have. I've looked over this a little bit, and I know how you mentioned we want to keep it kind of freewheeling as we usually do, but I think we're going to need some sort of structure to tighten this up just a little bit. So I have pulled, and I will drop in the chat here. Do you know what's happening proves, right now? What's when? happening? Here's I'm going to go inside, inside baseball, because I talked to Dwayne about this before. I said, Mark and I were what? texting. And Mark mm-hmm. said, we have to get this list down. And I was writing back, we should keep it freestyling. And now Mark has hijacked while on the, the structure air structure of this episode live on air. I have, I have structured, I have structured, I have hijacked the structure of almost 300 episodes, Hal. <laughs> you are the freewheeling of the two of us. Why I am the structureman. Oh, yeah. you are Lucy forever pulling the episode <laughs> football away from me as I try to kick it. Dwayne, what do you think in terms of, of criteria? What are you looking for? When you think about the best 80s one-hit wonder, best one-hit wonder in any decade, what are some of the things that you're looking for that would make it stand out as the top choice? A big one for me is, can you identify the time when when you hear it? You're like, oh, yeah, that's an 80s song. Like, you know that right. that came out in the 80s. Oh, cool. Okay. If, Representative of the decade. That's yeah. a good one. Because if it's not indicative of when it came out like it's hard to say it's the best 80s one hit wonder maybe it's the best like all time one hit wonder if Mm -hmm. you can't identify it but like it should really be exemplary of the period and when it came out like i think that's the biggest one for me is can you identify when it came out i love that knowing that the topic is 1980s one hit wonder focusing specifically on the 1980s element of it yeah. Even looking at any like hit song, not by one hit wonder. I, I, for some reason, the first thing that came to my head was satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. There's no doubt when you hear it mm-hmm. that it was made in the sixties, particularly the late sixties. However, you don't think about it as the sixties because it has transcended that it's more of a, a representative of the genre than it mm-hmm. is like I'm flashing back to the sixties. There's part of that is a big part of it, but not. I don't think it's the majority part of it. So that's a really good thing to look for. I want to add on to that, that it is not only is it representative of the eighties, but it has far outlived that decade that it continues to find some form of relevance where people might 
recognize it. Like that is the mm. great, these bands all had one big hit. And for some of them, it was the only hit of any, you know, they may have had some limited success and, and been able to continue. But for some of them, this is their only shot. So for it to live on beyond them, you know, that keeps that they maintain some sort of relevance now, 30 to 40 years later, even though it's mm-hmm. emblematic of that particular decade. So I think that would be criteria. Mark, what do you have? I think that I, I'm and I'm wondering what constitutes a hit, because there are a lot of songs like we were talking before. And I think we'll, we'll we can jump right into this. Yeah. If we say 1980s, one hit wonder, what are we counting as a hit? Because there are groups on here that had other songs that appeared in like the Billboard top 200. but. You know, I don't think of I'm never going to go out and get Rick Astley's greatest hits because I really only know him from one song. Now, Rick Astley's not on this list because he did have a couple of other songs that did well. But there are some groups on here. And why don't we just jump right in and start with 1980? All right. You want to go by year? I want to go. I think going by year will be the easiest. And then we'll come up with our top 10 out of that. Okay. And then we will pick ours out of the top 10. So if we start with 1980, I think there are really two major contenders in this. And that is Lips Inc.'s Funky Town and Devo's Whip It. Now, is Devo a one-hit wonder? I would say no, because their cover of Satisfaction mm-hmm. was a hit that they also performed on Saturday Night Live two years before right. this hit. So they'd already had their huge breakthrough album. This is a follow-up album, and I think people remember it not only because it's a great song, mm-hmm. but because of the video, that really bizarre video with like the melting backgrounds from the, the lights. It was they were an early adopter of you know they had a video on MTV pretty early, even though it was a year after the song came out. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would say yes because it's the only song that I know by them. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're the significantly older men here. Yeah, Dwayne. Let us tell you how it was back in the 80s. The portable video games looked like small machines. They were terrible. They were very bad until the Game Boy came along. We had to wait 10 years for a Game Boy. My back hurts. Oh, oh no. Somebody get Grandpa Hal into bed. Crack my back. I have to lay down with the other three grandparents until somebody brings a golden ticket home. Then I'll be able to dance all of a sudden. But I uh, definitely think both of these songs fit Hal's criteria of transcending when mm-hmm. they came out. I think both of these songs are instantly recognizable to pretty much anybody. They know the song. Maybe not the name or who right. performed the song, but they know the song. And they're both these types of songs where outside of the lyrics, just the lick is all you really need. da 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 is all you need to hear of Whip It to know. And uh, for Funky Town, that's like, you don't even need to hear anyone singing and you know exactly what song is playing. But I would tend to agree with Hal on this, that if this was not Devo's breakout album, if it wasn't like, boom, this one hit huge, and then they had a couple of minor hits after, but they had a breakout album before this. Yeah, people knew who they were. And and you know them, certainly they're known for the song Whip It, but if I asked somebody who'd ever heard of Devo the song to draw Devo more likely than not, they would draw four guys with lampshades on there. Like, you know, those mm-hmm. not, they're not lampshades, but those red ziggurats, the red and black. Yeah. The ziggurat, the, the hats that they were wearing. Yeah. So they have out, not outlived, but they shine as much as the song. And I think ultimately for a one hit wonder, like I know what Dexy's midnight runners look like because I've seen mm-hmm. the video a bunch, <laughs> right. but 
what they look like is not the song is what you remember more than anything. And I think, but like describe anybody in lips ink, it could have been a computer and we wouldn't yeah. know. Cause it's got, it's got, you know, some electronic touches to it. It's sort of that weird bridge between the dance music of the seventies and what would become dance music. There are a lot of disco licks in it, but it's got the electronic sound, a little bit of the electronic sound that's going to come after it. So it's like a cultural bridge, which maybe is one of the reasons why it endures. Yeah, and people are still crossing that bridge now at every wedding. <laughs> That's true. You think weddings is the reason why? I think our one, 80s one-hit wonder is, is probably going to wind up being a song that you still hear at weddings. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You got Come On Eileen, It's Raining Men, Whip It, Funky, like sure. um, oh, Mickey. All of these songs could be played at a prom or a wedding still. Yeah, I like turning Japanese a lot. I think that people maybe more know it in the modern era i think it's a it's a well-done song it's like a very catchy song 1980s uh turning japanese by the vapors by the vapors people know it probably now for whenever the jackass guys went to japan that is mm-hmm. one of the songs that they would play and it was also in beverly hills ninja yeah they'd either play that or buck owens from japan or yeah or I, d- I think most people i i can identify the sample at the beginning that opens the song mm-hmm. and i i don't know how many people would recognize the song past that but I think everyone recognizes that uh, same. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I think that's instantly recognizable. And then people would fall off once the song actually comes <laughs> right. in in full. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to start marking the finalists so we can easily. I think Funky Town is the. Of 1980, that's the one. Yeah, yeah I think Funky okay. Town is the 1980 come out, stand out. Let's take a look at 1981. We started to get a few more in here, but none that really popped out to me as much as one that, again, feels like the clear front runner. Don't worry, people of the world. We're going to have some debating happening. But from the year 1981, is there a more recognizable one hit wonder than 8675309 Jenny by Tommy Two-Tone? No. (laughs) I mean, there really isn't. I do love Quarter Flash's heart in my heart. Yeah, it's got that sax riff that like (laughs) saxophone is crying, (laughs) screaming at you. Oh, I can't remember if it's I think it is hard in my heart. So I I listened to a lot of these songs this morning because I had not heard some of them. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure I at least gave them a listen. And I think this is a so if there's one thing that will get me any song doesn't matter the decade. It's sax. Really? If it's got sax, mm-hmm. I'm sold. And yeah. I watched the video and this guy's got his soprano sax with a tenor sax hanging and he's just switching between the two. And I'm like, okay, this guy has got everything I need on this song. This is fantastic. It's just for you. What is your all time favorite sax solo? Yeah. I don't know if you've heard a song called Vampires by the Midnight. No, I it's, haven't. It's a, it's a, it's a newer song and actually, that band, a lot of their songs have no lyrics. It's all instrumental. But that song has this sick, it, it's not even like in a lot of songs, they have a bass drop. It's not even mm. a bass drop. It's a sax drop. Like oh, you're just waiting. It, it just builds to the sax <laughs> dropping in the song. And I'm like, this song is for me. Yeah. And it's called, the band is called The Midnight and the song is called Vampires. 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 I mean, that makes sense. Sure. Well, you're not going to have a band called Noon with a song called Vampires. <laughs> Unless you hate vampires and you're trying to sure. lure them out of the sun to kill them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vampire Dust Yeah, by the noon. album is actually called It's Safe Now. <laughs> and that's how you trick them. Vampires, very dumb. 
They're very gullible, surprisingly. Which is weird. You'd think of being around for hundreds of years and sometimes thousands that they wouldn't be so gullible. <laughs> you would think. All right. So for 1981, it's 8675309. Shout out to Pac-Man Fever, which I, I want to give an honorable mention to because frankly, I'm surprised I'm the one doing it and not Hal. It seems like you might have had that single as a kid, Hal. I was aware of it. Yeah. There's a newer version, 2015. Somebody did a remake of it. Could not be less interested in that. But let's jump now to 1982 because 1982 is a huge year for One Hit Wonders. I'm just going to read this shortened list. Thank you to Kate McManus of One Hit Wonders from 1982. We've got Come On Eileen, It's Raining Men, I Know What Boys Like, Our House, Electric Avenue, She Blinded Me With Science, I Want Candy, I Melt With You, Mickey, Tainted Love, I Ran, and Rappin' Rodney by Rodney Dangerfield. Well, obviously, Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I love when, don't you love, like, it's like when all the celebrities would do, like, covers of the Beatles in, like, oh, the 60s and yeah. 70s, or, or everybody had a disc, like, Mae West had a disco album. Like, just. <laughs> I did not know Mae West had I a think disco she did have album. a disco album. Somebody had, somebody who. She would have been a hundred. Sesame Street had a disco album. I have that on vinyl, too. <laughs> Sesame Street Fever. Look it up. Me lost me cookie at disco. That is an actual song. <laughs> Also, me do cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> me at Studio 54 with Bianca Jagger. <laughs> I'm nom, 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 nom. Cocaine, nom, 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 nom. Yeah, that moon with the Coke spoon actually hangs in Cookie Monster's oh apartment. It's like that when they closed it down. <laughs> you put that image permanently in my head now of uh, Cookie Monster. At <laughs> Studio 54. We love you, Mr. Rubin. <laughs> this is a real This is a brutal list. year. Yeah. Whoever comes out, this feels like a tough conference in the NFL. Like whoever comes out of this on top's winning the Super Bowl. So let's look at our criteria again. Are there any of these, as you mentioned before, Dwayne, that were like you wanted something specifically 80s? You know what I mean? If it is an 80s one-hit wonder, we want this to sound like the 1980s. I think for this one. For 1982, I think Iran is kind of the clear front runner for me. Flock of Seagulls, Iran, Iran so far away. Yeah. Mainly because some of the other songs have been remade since, and I mm-hmm. identify that version of the song more, mm-hmm. uh, especially like Tainted Love. Like, I don't identify this version of Tainted Love. Like, there's some that have come since that I'm like, that's like, I think Beyonce did a version of it for the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. Yeah, their version movie, also was a. The cover. movie is uh, the the movie. You know, say what you will, but that her version of that song mm-hmm. is like it's <laughs> ridiculous. And we can't mess with Beyonce. Yeah, like nobody can touch Beyonce. I think I ran like, I think if you ask anyone to say like, what's a song that is like the perfect example of the eighties? Mm-hmm. I think that might be the one. 60% of people pick. It's very, well, it's also, I mean, it's Flock of Seagulls. When you think of 80s, like if I think of 80s one hit wonder, I don't, I may not think of this song, but I definitely think of that haircut. I think of the Flock of Seagulls haircut and also weren't Flock of Seagulls the ones that coined the phrase new wave or at least said it out loud first. Flock of Seagulls represent that British new wave coming in yeah. and having this as sort of like, emblematic of the 1980s uh yeah i love iran i would also throw out that there's something great about the one hit if it's 80s it's iran if it's one hit 
than Tony Basil or Basil. How do you say her name? Tony Basil. Yeah, Basil. Mickey feels like yeah. the perfect example of a, this is just that one song that you do on a whim. Weren't you telling me this story, Hal? Yeah, she was a dancer. So mm-hmm. yeah. the video centers heavily around choreography. I think even, Mark, you may be too young to remember mm-hmm. how big of a hit this song was. It was everywhere when it came out. And people yeah. were doing the, hey, Mickey, you're so fine. And that that has lived on, too. That experienced a little resurgence when Bring It On came out in 2000. So that also feels very 80s to me. Something like mm-hmm. the ones that feel like It's Raining Men feels like it came out in the 70s. It feels I, like I just song. love that song, though. It does feel straight up like a disco song. Yeah. Uh, there, are, there are other ones. Like, Our House is not as big a hit as right. I ran. It might be, not be as iconic, but I think it might be. Does the quality of the song matter? I think it does. I think, I think it does. Because with Our House, until I looked it up, I thought the song was older than it actually is. I, yeah. I thought that was okay. something that came out in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, All right. Because I used to see it on the uh, – this is something anyone younger listening to the show won't remember. But all of us will – back in like the 90s, the – Compilation CD collections that you sure. used that's to be what able I to get. Music? Scroll the names, and then but, yeah, the but, yellow yeah, one like, is the one that's playing at the moment. But I remember our house was in one of those collections, and I like that was the first time I had ever heard the song, and I found it, listened to it, and I I like the song. But I always thought it was older. I thought it was like a 70s song. Well, there's the older Our House, right? There's the Crosby, Stills, Nash. Our uh, House is a very, 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 very fine, fine house. house. Two cats in the yard. This is, no, this is Our House yeah. in, the in the middle of, of the yeah. street. Yeah. Yep. Honestly, I think the best song out of this list, the music video for I Want Candy. And that's another thing we got to think of. Some of these have amazing music videos. I Want Candy, the music video of them just buried on the beach up to their necks mm-hmm. and... Uh, singing this sort of kind of classic uh, pop tune is a lot of fun. I think the best song on this list is probably I Melt With You. I was about to say the same thing, yeah. scanning this. I, wa- I was going to throw in for She Blinded Me With Science, which is super fun. Thomas iconic Dolby. in a million different ways. Yeah. yeah. Kind of has become a Halloween song. Yeah, it's the Mad Scientist song. Yeah. yeah. But it's a really well done piece of music. But I Melt With You is definitely the best I would say it's the best song. Musically, it's the best song. So if we're looking now at, wow, Come On Eileen, No Love for Come On Eileen, which arguably is the definition of a one-hit wonder is Dexie's Midnight Runners. It feels like it could be in the 90s. It feels like it could be at a few different, I would put it 80s or beyond. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like the great-grandfather of Mumford & Sons. That's is it, like, just, is it the overall. I was gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's the the, op- <laughs> the open of the song too gives it that kind of like, uh, oh, what's the what's the right word to describe it? Like a folksy, like a yeah, the, like the, the Irish like, yeah, folk, the folk yeah, the folk pop kind of mm-hmm. like feel to it. And yeah. I, I think I would like the song more if that carried through the song. All the that way. like blung, 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 ding, 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 no ding, no ding, the very big it's it starts with like it sounds like a chieftain song oh yeah yeah, yeah. and then it goes into that the baseline is really what what roots it and plants it in the 80s it is kind of perfect though in that it's like you get four or five songs in one with come on i there's the slowdown part there's it's so many it's like 
hey, um, you know how most songs are verse, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. This is like, how about we do a song that's just bridge, 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 bridge. <laughs> What's also interesting is for, and I still think that I would still pick Iran, but mm-hmm. I know what boys like. Yes. I think that that was the foundation for what we got in the 90s with like, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and, and that, like, I, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but that formulaic pop sound mm-hmm. yes. that, that you get with, uh, like Genie in a Bottle and Oops, I Did It Again, like that kind of repetitive, earwormy yeah, mm-hmm. hop song. Like, I think I know what boys like kind of set the tone and launched that. Yeah. The melody of it is almost like a schoolyard taunt. Yeah, I know what boys like. I know what boys want. Yeah, that that uh, it also feels like a movie, like a song that has been in a trillion movies. Mm Because I immediately think of a number of movies in the eighties, none of which may have had the song in it, or just the general (laughs) type of. (laughs) You just assume it was in it. Well, it's almost like it makes me think about Bachelor Party, in which the band that they had played did not do this. The song that they did was. Why do good girls like bad boys? Do, 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 which has the same flavor as this, but it feels like a song that has no doubt been in a ton of different soundtracks. But I dare you to name one right now. That's right. You can't. I'm not even going uh, to Valley Girl. It. Was it in Valley Girl? Every song was in Valley Girl. It was probably in Valley Girl, but <laughs> yeah. we can't confirm it. So let's just say that's a W for us. So <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. This is so hard. 1982 is the hardest. It's definitely the hardest year out of all of these. The electronic aspects of Mickey root it in the, it make it a really 80s song. Mm -hmm. Because I was going to say, we, what we really remember is the cheerleader aspect of it. And the clapping pattern is really easy. We can all join in with it. It's a very easy song to have people involved. Do you think that people really, when you think, if somebody says, sing the song Mickey right now, Nobody's going to jump right to, you take me by the heart when you take me by the hand. They're going to go, oh, Mickey, you're so yeah. fun. You're so, it's the, it's that, like, that acapella part that is. They're not going to say, oh, Mickey, what a pity you don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Take me by the heart when you take me by the hand. Or, oh, Ricky, it's what a pity, don't you understand? Oh, Every yeah. day's a rerun when the laughter's always canned. Thank you, Weird Al. Oh yeah, does a weird owl covering the song make it does that give it does that give it extra points? Because Well, I, I will say out of all of these, when Punk Goes did their Punk Goes eighties album, only one of these songs was covered, and that's Iran. Ah. Who is who what is Punk Goes? So it, it's a like compilation album that a bunch of different punk bands We'll mm-hmm. do covers of whatever the theme of the album is. So they've done, I think they've done three Punk Goes 80s by now. Oh, cool. They do like Punk Goes Hip Hop, Punk Goes Christmas, Punk, like, and they just send a band a song and like they record their version of that song. That's awesome. I mean, I'm a huge Me First and the Gimme Gimme's fan. So when, and that's all they do is just punk versions of, of course, their Broadway album is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course it is. But. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. You're, and now it, this episode is great because it's just giving me a whole list of uh, things that I need to listen to. I need to listen to The Midnight. I need to listen to Punk Goes. I knew this you guys keep doing the episode. I'm just going to take notes. <laughs> did Asia have more than one hit? Oh, they did. No, I don't think they did. What was Asia's one hit? Heat of the Moment. I don't know. where. Where's Heat of the Moment? Was, this, was that 1982 also? Yes. Jeez. This is so difficult. They were a super group. 
Asia is a super group. See, okay. Does a super group count? Because there are also like Phil Collins and so and so, or Jackson Brown well, and so and so. The Traveling Wilburys is a super group. Sure, of a super group. But I wouldn't call the Traveling Wilburys a one-hit wonder. And name another song they did outside of Handle with Care. I'll wait. Um, the walls came down. Is that true? Are you just yeah. making one? All the way to hell. Never saw them when the standing. Never saw them when the. Stop film. making up a song right now. It's very insulting. <laughs> This is my improv training coming in. <laughs> oh, um, look, for the 1980s-ness of it, yeah. you have made a, a an appealing case, Dwayne, and I'm 100% down for Iran. Out of this illustrious group of songs from 1982 becoming yeah. our representative, because it does represent all of these elements that we are looking for. It's a big ball of the 80s. Mm-hmm. All right, so 1982, we have Iran. Let's jump to 1983. Not as many iconic songs, but some really fun ones. We have Frank Stallone's immortal classic, Far From Over. Tacos, Putting on the Ritz. We have Maniac from Flashdance. The Safety Dance, 99 Luftballons. Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And Too Shy. Did you not say Break My Stride? Did you leave it off? I didn't. I may, Some of these, I leave it to you to throw some songs on here that I may have missed. You don't know Break My Stride? I don't know Break My Stride. Ain't nothing gonna break my stride. Oh, Ain't I do know Break My Stride. Ain't nothing gonna bring me down. Oh, no. I got to keep on moving. Oh, I, I, so that one, I, th- And it's very, it's very, like, the synth pop of it is so 80s. I don't think it's the winner in this group, but it's such a good song. It is an absolute bop. And to this day, even though it's got, like, a weird kind of, like, like, because it's all this depressing stuff. It has, like, a depressing feel to it. And then the, ain't nothing on a big of my stride. It almost goes, like, minor to major. I don't think it, I don't know that it does, because I'm not confident enough to say that. But the construction of the song is brilliant as well. I'm sorry I overlooked it. I think it's brilliant. I just I know that song. And the second you started singing, I was like, oh, that song's fun. I love that song. Now tell me why it's Taco's putting on the Ritz where he dances in the laser suit. In the, <laughs> in the video. Dwayne, like thoughts? A, if a ghost uh, put out a song, in, it would be Taco's putting on the Ritz. This is a little bit, I don't know. I think this one is equally as hard as 1982 because mm-hmm. when when you look at Maniac, The Safety Dance, 99 Luff Balloons, Relax. like Yes. Those are all... I don't know how to pick between them. Yeah. Too Shy also by Kaja Gugu is really. Shy, shy, uh, I was going to say shy. one that was left off the list. Uh, Let the Music Play by Shannon. I think that that is. Oh, yeah. That song kind of started the like kind of dance pop like genre. Mm-hmm. Similar to like how the sound that like Lady Gaga had when she first started. Like that sound started with Let the Music Play and Shannon and like that song. I don't remember that song. Oh no, it's like the we started dancing. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. Like you you'll recognize it when you hear it. It's like because I was like, I don't think I've heard that song. And I listened to it and I was like, no, I know this song. Yeah. I'm gonna overlook some songs on this. The fun thing about that song is the melody over the top of it. That's very sort of legato and like in the video, everybody's in tuxedos and ball gowns, but it's got this like driving 80s beat underneath it. It's a fun song. I think that also similar to I Know What Boys Like, like that kind of those two together kind of moving into the 90s kind of developed like what pop music was going to become. And 
mm-hmm. how it was going to influence, you know, clubs and bars or wherever people go to dance, like the type of music that's played in those spaces. Like this was yeah. one of those songs that helped push that sound. It's kind of directly related to Rockwell's Somebody's Watching Me. It has a very similar mm-hmm. beat to it. Like you could almost sing, I always feel like somebody's watching me over let the music play over parts of it at least they've they're so similar to one another it almost sounds I'm like using rockwell of stealing is what i'm doing that's right fair. now on this <laughs> sure. podcast rockwell you've gotten away with this for long enough we're coming for you rockwell 36 years you got away with this it's time to pay the piper who is shannon let the music play also sounds like a precursor to a whitney houston song doesn't it sound like yeah pre-whitney Mm-hmm. Like uh, Whitney, when the Polaroid first comes out of the camera and then it gets into better focus later in the 80s with I Want to Dance with Somebody. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. There are some other great songs on this list. The Safety Dance is a weird blast of a song. Mm-hmm. I've always been partial to 99 Luftballoons. Do you like the English or the German version? I like the German version. Sure. Of course you do. Because why not? Of course. I know a lot of songs in English. I don't know that many songs in German. I mean, I think we sang a couple of them in high school ensemble. We had a couple of German tunes. It also teaches you the importance of the song. If you listen to the German and don't speak German, you Mm -hmm. still enjoy it a great deal. Like, you don't have to know. I don't remember. All I know is it's 99 Red Balloons. I couldn't tell you anything else from the English lyrics, like what the story of the song is. No memory of that. But it's really catchy. I know the the general, like, if you asked me what the lyrics were, I would be like, I do I my dinosaur. Like, that's all I know the mm-hmm. words to be. And that is the English version I'm doing, not the German version. So it speaks to how well constructed a song it is. Do you guys generally music or lyrics people? I'm both, actually. Yeah. Because for me, I grew up listening to a ton of, like, rap and hip hop. Mm-hmm. And the lyrics are incredibly important but if your lyrics don't match the rhythm i would be like okay this is so bad yeah (laughs) like like if you hear like some rappers you're just like oh man you do not know how to ride a beat like you got to figure that out before you try yeah try on that surfboard and ride that wave man your lyrics are too good there's like the whole mood to this Mm -hmm. like the lyrics can be great but if it doesn't ride the beat the right way or the delivery is not quite there it can throw the whole song off. So yes. Yeah, I agree. I I think they kind of go hand in hand. I think the music is what brings you in and makes you gets your attention. And the lyrics make you lean forward. I like ultimately you should, the music should serve the lyrics. Generally, you might write your lyrics first and then match them to a tune. And and then it's even more important. You've got to pick the right music, you know, or in the case of hip hop, if you don't have a tune that you're singing, the beat and samples, whatever you do to generally create the mood are super important to serve those lyrics. So the lyrics are paramount, Mm -hmm. but the music is also super important. And there are instrumental tracks that completely blow that out of the water. But when they're both there, but then 99 Luftballons, like I could tell you the lyrics, but I love the song. I know balloons, 99 and balloons. The music will make you remember Mm -hmm. it's that's the recognizability. And then the lyrics, I think, are the things that stick with you at a deeper level. Yeah. If they're really good lyrics. So (laughs) I'm looking at this list now and I'm just laughing at myself thinking about Frank Stallone's Far From Over because it is just a fun over the top. It's from Staying Alive. Yeah. The sequel to it's when uh, Tony's trying to become a dancer on Broadway. Exactly. Exactly. Saturday Night Fever. 
and then putting on the Ritz does sound like somebody took a spooky old record and had a ghost record some electronic music under it. Mm-hmm. But it's fun. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, Shannon's Let the Music Play seems like, if not a song of its absolute moment, a song that is launching moments to come. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I keep coming back to Maniac, though. Here's the weird thing about Maniac is it's a song about a serial killer. Mm-hmm. That I think Michael Sembello tried to write for Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. Michael Jackson wasn't interested in it. Then all of a sudden it gets included in Flashdance and becomes again in the same way that Mickey did. It was like the song that was everywhere. And we still, we know the song and you know the dance, even if you've never seen the entirety of the movie Flashdance, you know the part of like, just dancing back and forth. Also, you might know it from Chris Farley yeah. doing mm-hmm. it while he's being hosed down by Rob Lowe and Tommy Boy. Hey, uh, how is this song about a serial killer? Uh, that's what that was what it was originally written about. It's became Maniac on the Floor. The lyrics were changed. Yes, but there's okay. still parts of it that feel like. Is this about a serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> is this song about a serial killer? <laughs> Did they just say something cuts like a knife? That it that feels also Maniac. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it feels like you're just pulling random words out of the song and follow the money, Mark. Oh, God. Am I, do I have to listen to this backwards? Is Wake this up? No, you have to listen to it frontwards, but faster. Oh, gosh. Okay. On the ice blue line of insanity is a place most never see. Sure. That's kind of serial killery. Like that could be written on the wall of your cell. Yeah. But you just it, like, it's kind of a lazy conversion. <laughs> it would be like turning your car into a convertible by just chopping the top off of it. And going, hey, oh, yeah, change the word kill to dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think for 83, I think maniac is a strong choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. But I, I think it is recognizable for most people. Do you think it would be the hit that it has been without the association with Flashdance? Mm-hmm. That is a fair point, and I don't think it would be. <laughs> yeah, like the song from yeah. the, the Vangelis uh, Chariots of Fire yeah. song dun, is a dun, huge dun, deal, dun, dun, and it's a dun. really, really well-done piece of music. And Vangelis is not a one-hit wonder. But we mm. wouldn't know that piece of music were it not for the film. I mean, it was specifically written for that film. This was a pop song that was written and then put into the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a peanut butter and chocolate situation What's where they just fit each other perfectly. I would know the song, but not because of that movie. <laughs> what movie would you know it I would, from? I would know it because of other movies that it's been used in. <laughs> sure. But it wouldn't be used in those movies if it hadn't been. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times they're referencing. Yeah. They're referencing its use in Flashdance, I think. Yeah. They, I, it, it's so connected to the movie. <sighs> With that in mind, that moves me more to 99 Luff Balloons. Yeah. Then I think this is a really hard, this is a hard one. 83 and 82 are both yeah, these two, really yeah, hard. These two years are hard. These two yeah. years are really hard. I think it might be 99 Luft Balloons because if you're using the song, although it's also a song that's been covered, covered mm-hmm. like came around in the, in the 2000 teen comedy era. They're like, we should cover this. Let's do our version of it. But the original is very eighties. There is something, if you're making a piece of culture now that's about the eighties, this is a song you would probably include. You know, if you're making mm-hmm. the wedding singer now again, instead of it being you know, seven years removed. And I think it's just a delightful song. You know what I mean? Part of it is once we get past all of the other criteria that we've laid down, 
it's just which songs do we like the best too? You know what I mean? And I think 99 Luft Balloons, it's got sort of that Dexy's Midnight Runner element of it where it changes. It's got a lot of variety within the song. I will say this, and I know we don't curse on this podcast. Uh-huh. And Ken's going to have to bleep me. Go but, on. But Too Shy just like straight up. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I, I'm sorry. I literally was trying to think of a million different ways. Like, I was, can I, should I say it slaps? No, that's not enough. It's no, it that's doesn't slap. To, like, you, if you were to, to like listen, really listen to the chorus of that song and listen to that bass player is like, they yeah, got out of that session. Killer. They were like, I think I just played the best lick of my life. And it's not even that complex, mm-hmm. but it's, I mean, if, sorry, <laughs> I said it again. I won't say it a third time. That's the rule of twos. I get I will. That song. See? There you go. <laughs> Sorry for any kids listening. They won't hear it. They'll just have to imagine. God, we said, this... we said is really good. Yeah. Guys, 1983 is so hard. Yeah. I think it is. Uh, I think it's 99 Luft Balloons. <laughs> I think it's I think 99 it Luft Balloons too. All right. Oh. Done. We have to leave 1983. We got an easy one. We got an easy palate cleanser before we get to 1985. That is 1984. I think there are really two contenders in this one. And that is tenderness and somebody's watching me. Thoughts, gentlemen. Sing a little tenderness for me, Mark. Tenderness. It's got like the bells like that play the melody. It's just like fun and poppy and you don't want to do easy lover, although Phil Collins is in I love that Phil Collins snuck. How how on earth did Phil Collins sneak onto this list? That's that's why I didn't that's why I did not put him on here. I did not put him on here for nineteen eighty four because Phil Collins, you are not a one hit wonder. It is sneaky his best song of the eighties, isn't it? Easy Lover? He's an easy lover. I don't know, man. He had some amazing uh, tunes in the 80s. Did. I the Genesis alone was incredible. It slaps, but that's a whole band. That's not yeah, just him. That's true. I mean, that was Peter Gabriel's band before it was his band. I, I think this one is an easy one. I think it's somebody's watching me. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I think, I think that's a. I was a wrestling it, fan as a kid. Who used this one? Obsession oh. was at the end of the weekly show. So it would be like now the most problematic wrestler in the world, like doing his muscle poses on freeze frame. And you get that. Dun, 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 dun. She's an obsession. I mean, that's a really, it's a very 80s song. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening as you were doing that because you said the most problematic wrestler. And I started scrolling in my brain through 80s wrestlers and I realized it could have been any of them. It's a, that list is longer than a CVS receipt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it's just such a good, it's a very good song as is tenderness. Mm-hmm. But I think it is somebody's watching yeah. me. All right, let's jump to 1985. 1985 had some great tunes. It has, of course, Eddie Murphy's immortal classic, Party All the Time. Some more Eddie Murphy with Axel F. from Beverly Hills Cop. Also from a movie, St. Elmo's Fire. We also have Voices Carrie from Till Tuesday. We have Oh Yeah, also a movie track from Stella, the instrumental ear Then we have You Spin Me Round and Take On Me by Aha, one of the arguably one of the greatest music videos of all time. Oh, I would say I'm going to go out and I'm going to say I can eliminate right now. I think party all the time. 
I think I can eliminate, well, we can eliminate party all the time. That's only in there because I wanted to mention it. But yeah, we're not going to talk about boogie in your butt. That wasn't a big boogie hit in your butt, <laughs> but, but the boogie in your butt. I think we can eliminate, oh yeah, because Stella had another song. Stella had the chase. Remember that song? That was also Stella. So I'm going to say, Stella, you're amazing. Oh yeah is a great song from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But this feels like the movie year. All of these songs are very cinematic. What do you guys think? I think that's indicative of the previous four years in the 80s and what Mm -hmm. made some of those songs that we've already talked about explode. Mm -hmm. And that's why the movies that they were in. Yeah. And yeah. so, so the biggest hits of 1985 were all songs that were used in movies, but I wouldn't want to eliminate party all the time because I actually really like that song. It's but song. look, it's a I good song, but can so we call fun. Eddie Murphy a <laughs> one hit wonder? I mean, True. musically, I mean, musically, musically, yes, he's a one hit wonder, but was not a hit for him. Oh my God. The guy was the, the guy was a, it cinematically was a hit machine yeah. for two decades. Right. That's, but that's fair. That's fair. But this I'll, is the crossover, and it was a bit, it was a big hit. This is like him. this. It's like talking about Michael Jordan's baseball career. Yeah, this is like <laughs> the the beginning of the height of his powers. Mm-hmm. I'd say from like eighty five to let's say ninety ninety one is mm-hmm. like the prime because this is the same year or maybe a year after Delirious, which was a huge hit. Yeah. And then he does Raw in here. He does Coming to America. Beverly Hills Cop was the year before, maybe eighty four. Maybe 83. Oh my God. Just the 80s. He just yeah. owned the 80s. I mean, he's Eddie Murphy's. And then if you haven't seen Dolomite is my name, you should go watch that because absolutely he's still amazing. And the coming to yeah. America sequel, I thought was good. I enjoyed it. I, I can't also the original. It. Yeah. In this list, I think you spin me around and take on me or the front runners. Yeah. yeah. I think both have a unique sound that is also very encompassing of the 80s but in different ways mm-hmm. so that's that's where i'm struggling on which one do i pick between the two i think you're right it's definitely one of the two yeah i do too i think it's take on me i think it's iconic at a level i think you spin me around it endures it meets a lot of the same criteria they meet a lot of the same criteria but i think take on me is even more iconic because of the associated music video yeah. I mean, that is a landmark music video that's still like, we still make fun of it. It's still like, I think Family Guy did a version of it. Mm-hmm. I used to do my impression of it all the time at the very end, which throwing myself against walls and then looking up while breathing <laughs> and sweating. Like <laughs> every aspect of it endures. Even the band, I think, is still around. Are they really? Mm-hmm. Good on them. They might be the only one hit wonder that's still <laughs> playing out of this list. You mentioned the music video. I think that music in the 1980s is so, so identified by music videos and MTV and so associated with that where, Dwayne, you mentioned before, like wanting the most 80s. I think that the one hit wonder with the most iconic music video is going to have to go to the finals as an iconically 80s one hit wonder. So I was trying to like pick. So I was just like sitting here singing them in my head. I was like, I was like, like, okay, so which let me, let me sing them in my head and see which one really I'm, I'm going to go with. And I think take on me is, is the clear choice when I do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And also it's in the new elephant love medley in the Broadway version of Moulin Rouge. Okay. I'll stop. I wish, which it's weird. I also want to just point out before we leave this year Mm -hmm. that voices carry while it was 
the one big hit for Till Tuesday was written by someone who's had multiple hits since, which is oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. She's no Great one hit wonder. Man. Yes. She's a multiple hit wonder. All right. Mm-hmm. So now we've gotten through the first five years of the decade. Let's take a break. Great. So everybody can hear a few fine words from Maximum Fun and maybe some other people. I can't predict what you're going to hear next. Yeah, we get an email about it every week. Oh, yeah. Right. We'll get, we'll find out later. Don't worry. Oh, you're good. You're going to love it though. And we'll be right back. From the internationally acclaimed creators of Who Shot Ya comes the movie podcast, Maximum Film. Starring producer and film festival programmer Drea Clark as a woman bound by passion. I saw this eight months ago on the festival circuit. And I loved it. Film critic Alonzo Duralde as a man corrupted by greed. Why watch one Hallmark Christmas movie when I can watch seven? And comedian Ifiwadiwe as a man protecting a love that society simply won't accept. I think Pacific Rim is a perfect movie. And if you can't accept that, then I want you out of my life. From the makers of the movie podcast, Who Shot Ya? comes Maximum Film. That's right. We changed the name of our show to Maximum Film. But don't worry. We're still a movie review show that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. So tune in to Maximum Film at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man, it sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes, and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Let's jump back in. Let's talk about 1986. Here are our finalists for 1986. Lady in Red, keep your hands to yourself. The future so bright I gotta wear shades. Two of Hearts, and I just died in your arms. Thoughts, gents? So 1986 is uh, the year that the song that I was talking about earlier. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. And it was our jam headed to the club back in in my glory days and that's we don't have to take our clothes off by jermaine stewart oh my god i left that one off i apologize (laughs) that song is hilarious and jermaine stewart's voice is bonkers bonkers high-pitched voice yeah like i absolutely love (laughs) everything about that song I, I honestly I left it off because I had not heard it until today. And I did not realize uh, that I didn't realize that to you and your buddies that this was uh, such an iconic tune. That's actually when when I was looking at the list of topics. That's mm-hmm. the reason I picked this one is because I was like this. This song is the song reason because so I love that song. <laughs> For the tell tell those who don't know this song all about this. This song, which also has a hilarious title, We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off. Yeah. So this <laughs> this song is all about, from a man's perspective, <laughs> not having to go out to uh, the club, meet someone, and hook up with them on the first night in order to have a good time. It's a lovely Culture, sentiment. Yeah, it's, it's a lovely sentiment, and it's yeah. in the 80s. Strange to be coming from a 
man's perspective, mm-hmm. <laughs> given a lot of the cultural references that we have from then, you know, Wall Street and movies like that and the culture that that kind of promoted this on the other mm-hmm. side of it. And, and I think for me, it was the, the beat and the melody of it is so eighties and for mm-hmm. such a serious. So the first time I ever heard the song, it was a cover of the song and it's like slowed down. It's stripped down. It's just piano. It's slow tempo. And I was like, I want to hear the original version of this song. And then yeah. I went and listened to it. I was like, it's so up tempo and so happy and like fun loving. And I was like, this song is so hype. And I don't know. I don't know why. I just love the song. <laughs> well, look, this topic and mad success then, because this topic uh, and, and this moment introduced me to this song. I don't know if you had you heard it before, Hal? I was not. If I heard it. I had no memory of it. Right. It, it was not one that I had paid much attention to, but it is, it's a delight of a song. And I'm, again, I'm a happy, uh, guest prerogative. I'm happy to push this one right through to the finals because I'm not sure that any of these other 1986 songs are going to beat some of our front runners that we have so far, but perhaps coming out of relative obscurity, this song could take the cake. It is a really fun song. I'm not going to lie. When he started singing, it was one of those like, jump back moments <laughs> like like oh my like he has sort of like a very high-pitched young michael jackson kind of voice which i guess was you know around the same time what i always thought about when i listened to this song is he was achieving what eddie murphy was trying to do with party all the time ah he did it. he was the successful one like that's what it's because when I heard it for the first time, I was like, this sounds a lot like Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. on party all the time, but like, not like he's straining and like blowing his voice out trying to do it. Right. I mean, Jermaine Stewart has an incredible voice and it, yeah. and it has a song convention that would become used in many other songs, especially in the nineties, which is the <laughs> that like, <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, did somebody start and stop a drill real quick? Or is that her engine revving? Like that little piece. Is in there. It is a very good song. I wonder, and I, I'm okay bringing it through. I do want to talk about a couple of the other songs. Let's, yeah, I was just going to say, oh, let's yeah, talk about absolutely. some of these other ones. There are four that stand out to me, and none of them are by Don Johnson. One of them is Krista Berg's Lady in Red, because when you were in the late 80s, when you went to your first dance, or even the early 90s, when it was mm-hmm. time to slow dance, this song came on. This it was, was the uh, slow dancing song. And I think it's, I think it's, it's survived to an extent, but maybe not as much as a couple of the other ones. Two of mm-hmm. hearts is a really nice bop. Yeah. I don't know that it's similarly survived as much. It's people, I think it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the future's so bright. I got to wear shades. That song. First of all, I want to say two things about the future. So bright. I got to wear shades. Please. One, just the sentiment of the lyric, that first lyric, whereas we don't have to take our clothes off. The sentiment of that lyric feels very of the now moment. The future so bright, I got to wear shades feels like the most middle of the 80s Reagan complete optimism. Yay. Number one uh, lyric to lead off with. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing that's very 80s about this song. The beat is very 80s. It almost has like a Huey Lewis kind of vibe to it. It does. And also the fact that it was, what was the vampire movie? It was, uh, I was, was it once bitten? It was once bitten. 
that it's I was like, of course, this is used in a vampire movie. It's so bright. I got to wear shades. Like if you're going to make a vampire movie, you have to if you're going to make a teenage vampire movie in the middle of the 80s. You have to put the future so bright. I got to wear shades in it. Also, here's a fun piece of trivia. Mm -hmm. See if anybody knows this. Tim Buck Three, which is the band that put out The Future So Bright I Gotta <laughs> so Wear Shades, dumb. was the it. musical guest on Saturday Night Live in 1986. Oh, yeah? Can either of you tell me who the host was? Tim Buck One. It's okay if, the, it's okay if you don't know. <laughs> That's okay. This isn't like a, I'm just curious. This mm-hmm. just o. sticks J- in my head. OJ Simpson. It was not OJ Simpson. <laughs> Elon Musk. It was not Elon Musk. Surprisingly, that is uh, a contemporary as of this recording. Yeah. Ken also wrong. It was not the person whose name I'm not going to say. The answer is three-time Emmy winner, John Larroquette. Hey, I love John Larroquette. Wait, do you mean John Larroquette from CBS's Blood and Treasure? Correct. Your ah, co-star, John Larroquette. That's very and cool. I think that he hosted twice in the 80s, and I think that was the time he talked about his three Emmys. <laughs> I remember the line from his monologue. No matter how many Emmys you have, and I have three. Like he kept referencing that. But that was it. We've got a great show. Tim Buck Three is here. But the Tim Don Pardo, I just remember musical guest Tim Buck Three and your host John Larroquette. That is seared into my memory. How much, did you have that one on? Did you like VHS that one and just play it over and over again? Or? No, but I was heavily watching at that time. That's that's mm-hmm. the reboot year with Dana Carvey. Like that right. is a. That is one of the best years in the history of the show yeah. in terms of the amount of talent they had in the cast. But I digress. Also, I just died in your arms by cutting crew. I I just died in your arms tonight. I don't know. I think Les the Miz did it rain. better with a little fall of rain. Get what you are. Ju- you will not leave Broadway, will you? I'm just excited. It's coming back. I know. It's only a few months. Come on. Could you imagine if Eponine gets shot, gets back to the barricade? Falls into Marius's lap and instead of singing a little fall of rain, sings, I, I just died in your arms tonight. Must have been something I said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine taking, we don't have to take our clothes off. Yeah. I think it is a wonderfully, it is a wonderfully 1986 yeah. song. I, I don't know how much it survived, but I think it's <laughs> I, I, a lot of these songs have a limited shelf life outside of the 80s. And you 90s. Know. I mean, some of them have made it out a little bit, but I think it's OK. And I also don't think the winner, spoiler alert, is coming out of 1986. No, no. <laughs> but if it introduces uh, the people of the world that don't know this song to this song, I'm happy to put it on a pedestal. Let's jump now to 1987 and our three contenders. Also a pretty lean year. 1987, we're looking at uh, the remake of Lean On Me. We're looking at Respect Yourself and Catch Me, I'm Falling. Gentlemen, thoughts. I... Respect Yourself, by the way, by Bruce Willis, which yeah. might also take it out of well, yeah. You mean Bruno? Bru- oh, yeah, Bruno? not Bruce Willis, by Bruno. I would have taken, uh, um, I would have taken his cover of Under the Boardwalk if I was going to take anything <laughs> off of that album. <laughs> I would, I would actually take most of the songs off of that album, but mm-hmm. that's just me. I would just put out oh. a blank cassette tape. Just imagine what it would be like if Bruce Willis made music and do that. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know where to go with this year. <laughs> I mean, there's not, 1987 was not great. 
for, for one hit wonders. Maybe it was a great year for uh, Madonna, Prince and Michael Jackson. I don't know. Can we just pick another one from 1982? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just. Yeah, if our other one from 1987 is Mickey from 1982. I mean, uh, I mean, the only about- thing that pops into my head is Catch Me, I'm Falling because the is very. That's a lick that I remember. Yeah. Same. I don't remember a lot of the rest of the song. Mm hmm. But that melody for sure is iconic. I think I might have one. You have another one from 1987 that can. I think I might have one. Really? It is a one hit wonder. Are you finding this? On... This is not on Kate McManus's list? No. Oh, this is exciting. Ooh. I kind of. the California Raisins I kinda, version. I wish of... I could just like lay it in to into the podcast, but I'm not going to do that, nor will I ask Ken to do that. Let's go I'm to a clip. Let's say, go to a clip of you asking Ken not to do yeah. that. Look, <laughs> because I'm recording this in a closet mm-hmm. and because there's no air circulating, do you know how I'm feeling? Oh, no. <gasps> yeah. Are you feeling hot, hot, hot? Yes, I am feeling hot, hot, hot. You know Buster what? Buster Poindexter. Okay, hold on a second. Yes. Buster Poindexter David was originally from the New York Dolls. Yes. But that mm. said, is Buster Poindexter a one-hit wonder? I mean, he went and created a new personality. Right, of course. So this would be separate. That's to say, like... David uh, Johansson is the oh, performer. That's a good question. Dwayne, what do you think? If he was part of a band that had some success, I don't know if they had any top hits did they no but they were like underground they big knew, like yeah. people knew I'll, who new york dolls were i'll be honest i know the song i don't know who the person or the band he was in prior is so and that sounds like say, a one-hit wonder to so me i would say yeah. yes <laughs> oh i think isn't that what this is about if that qualifies if buster poindexter counts as a one-hit wonder yeah. played by david johansson from the new york dolls a persona then i think that's gotta be the winner from 1987 i, I think so because everybody yeah. knows hot, hot, hot. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. Look at that. That's fun. If you don't uh, recognize the performer, have you seen Scrooged, Dwayne? Yes. He's the ghost of Christmas past. Okay. The taxi driver. That's David Johansson. <laughs> okay. I'm the ghost. <laughs> that guy. Oh, I can't believe we, I can't believe we dropped in one and it, and it actually look at took that. a category. And it totally did. Well, oh. look, it took a pretty easy year. Yeah, yeah, it did. That wasn't a. It's like crash winning picture. best picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. This 1988. There's some pretty good ones here. One in particular. Well, I know what my pick would be out of these. Mark, do you want to read? I know you love reading lists of things. I do love I reading lists. Take this of away things. from you. Go ahead. 1988. We have. Don't worry. Be happy. Buffalo stance. What I am. It takes two. And. As recently performed by Glenn Close at the Academy Awards, debut. Now, I will say for this one, I was talking to my mom. Today is Mother's Day that we're recording this. I was talking to my mom this morning, yeah. and I mentioned what our topic was, and I said it's 1980s one-hit wonders. And she imme- one of these songs is the one that she immediately said. She was like, oh, well, I think it's this. I gave her no list. I gave her no prompting, and that was what, what she threw down with. Okay. Dwayne, what do you like off this list? I think I know what your mother picked. 
Of course you do. Um, yeah. for me, it, it's a clear far and away winner and it's, it, it takes two. I think that that song is so iconic, just mm-hmm. like not only amongst people who are like rap and hip hop fans, but just in general in the world, like that song is instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. When you listen to it, you're like, okay, that's eighties hip hop. That's like, yeah, from the Genesis. Like, I think it hits all of the marks that we're looking for for an eighties one hit wonder. It does, but I want to try a test right now mm-hmm. and see if Mark gets this call and response. I think that may disqualify not the song, but Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. Are you ready, Mark? <laughs> Joy. What? And pain. Oh, okay. Sunshine and rain. And rain. Keep it going, baby. Joy. Come on, come on. And pain. They had another hit. That was also a hit for them. They had multiple hits. What? They were not a one-hit group. Hold on. Every list I've ever seen of one hit wonders from the 80s has this song on. They're wrong. Joy and Pain was a huge hit for them. Hold on a second. Was this only in Philadelphia? I don't don't know. It was everywhere. I don't know Joy and Pain. Hold on a second. I'm looking this up. You don't know the song? I don't know the song Joy and Pain. Oh my goodness. Here, hold on. I'm going to play it for you. My goodness. By the way, my mom's choice was (laughs) Debut. No, that's not what I thought it would be. What else? What else? And rain. Here's the thing, Hal. I'm going to push back a little on this because A, It Takes Two is an iconic, iconic song. And also, I am sure that there were other singles released by some of these other artists. And the song Joy and Pain, the top of the charts that it reached was 31. So it ranked 31st was the highest it ever got on the charts. I am sure there are other groups in here that we are determining to be one hit wonders that probably also had secondary and tertiary songs that ranked in the 30s. I don't think that that's accurate. I think they were pretty close to each other. It was number nine on the dance charts, number five on the rap charts, number 11 in the R&B. Those were its peak positions, number 58 overall out of the hot. And then It Takes Two is number 36. It placed six higher in dance, did not place in rap, and was lower in R&B. Wait, It Takes Two was only 36? Yes, but it was certified platinum. It was their bigger hit, but not Mm -hmm. their only hit. And I think that's the only reason why. It's not that it's, it is a fantastic song and mm-hmm. an iconic song. They're not a one hit wonder. They had more sustained success. They had two hits. That's the, like, to find a true one hit wonder is difficult. Mm-hmm. A lot of these, like, Thomas Dolby didn't have another hit after right. she blinded me with. Something. And I would say that we can take what I am off of the list for 1988. Correct. Because Edie Burkell had other hits. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I leave this up to you, Dwayne. What do you think? I mean, if we're going to use that criteria, then I think Don't Worry, Be Happy is, is the, the pick from 1988. My mother will be very happy. Yeah. Yeah. That was my pick. I mean, I look, it, Don't Worry, yeah. Be Happy is pretty iconic and great. And everybody knows. Like it's, it's yeah. ingrained with Robin Williams in the music video, famous music video as well. Mm-hmm. It has, I mean, Bobby McFerrin is a lot more than that song, but that song was his only real hit. Yeah. If you want some amazing Bobby McFerrin, listen to some of the stuff that he did with Yo-Yo Ma. I also love the song Supersonic. Yeah. If I called Jennifer in here right now, uh-huh. I wonder if I could, hold on a second. This, this might be worth it. Hey, Jennifer. No. <laughs> It's always a treat when Jennifer comes in. 
Hold on, let me grab her real quick. This will definitely be worth it. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Jennifer. Can, can you speak? Hi, everybody. Can you Hi, Jen. Hello. All right. Jennifer, yeah. I'm going to start a lyric. I want you to just finish it. Go ahead and lean <laughs> in a little bit. Ready? The S is for super. The U is for unique. Keep going. The P is for perfection, and you know that we are freaks. The E is for exotic, <laughs> and the R is for rap. Tell those nosy people just to stay the heck back. That's right. <laughs> Supersonic. Supersonic. <laughs> oh, okay. Supersonic. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> you can, you, can yeah, you don't have to say yes, you no, did, I did it. it right? Clearly. You did do it right. I didn't even have to Clearly this is three dudes doing a podcast right now because we're like, supersonic. I mean, I guess that was a hit. Oh, Jennifer come comes in and knows every lyric to it. It's very like, uh, I think you use it to be like, this is what a dance song kind of mm. sounded like at that time. I don't think it's the winner. Right. I think it's Don't Worry, Be Happy from the year 1988. But it's mm. a, just a very good song. It's a real bop. And It Takes Two is a fantastic song. Joy and Pain also a fantastic song. All right. They're, You're right. They were, You're hit, right. they were hit makers. They're very, very good. Didn't Rob Bass come out of third base? Wasn't that his group also? Mm-hmm. And Lance Bass came out of third bass. And this is my last episode, everybody. I figured it's time to tell you. <laughs> this is just discovering. Didn't realize it until this moment. All right. One more. No, Big Mouth Billy Bass came out of third base. Okay. Thank you. Who sang, Don't Worry, Be Happy. That's the fish <laughs> on my dad's wall in his basement where you push the button. And the fish sings, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Yeah, of course. My dad had one, yep. too. Of course he did. And they also sang, Take Me to the River. Yep, that was the other one. In the water. Which is kind of the perfect song for a fish to sing. A fish yeah. who is not in the water currently. Yes, of course. Let's look at 1989. We have Angel Eyes. We have Ballad of Jane, a couple of semi-monster ballad rock tunes. But I don't think there's any beating from 1989 Black Velvet. Thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to say that as well. <laughs> yeah. when, when I listened to the, all of the 1989 songs, this was the only one. I think Toy Soldiers is recognizable but not because of this version of the song but because of the use of the sample by mm-hmm. Eminem later right and shout out to Martika from OG Disney Channel which big fan funny enough I think there's a lot of songs on this list that most people will know from samples <laughs> that have yeah. been used in other yeah. extremely popular songs it's like I had never heard of the band the meters before but a friend of mine was like oh listen to the meters and every song is like oh that's from oh that's the that's the hook from, that's the, you know what I mean? There's I a like lot uh, the Forget-Me-Nots, that song. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows because that melody is the Men in Black melody. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Everyone knows it. Yep. There are a few songs that aren't on this list, and I think one of them might be the winner. Really? Over Black Ooh. Velvet? Do you want me to start giving you some of them? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll, this, well... These this are these one, one. These are proper one hit wonders. Yeah. Are you saying that Kate McManus did an in? No, no, I, no, she was under, how? she was under duress, put together a great list, but she always says add, you know, add as appropriate. She did a great, like, this is a great list. Absolutely. But, uh, this here's a tale for all the fellas trying to do what those what ladies, the ladies tell us. Tell us. Mm-hmm. Get shot down because you're overzealous. Play hard to get. Females, females get, get jealous. jealous. Okay, smarty. Go to a party. Girls are scantily <laughs> clad and showing body you know <laughs> you know what we're saying 
just mm-hmm. bust a move by young mc off of stone cold rapper 1989 was, was that young mc's only hit correct really that was his only hit the uh tone loke i think had a couple of hits he had wild thing and funky mm-hmm. cold matina but yeah, young yeah. mc only ever had bust a move so i mm. think that one needs to will you add that mark yeah add a line for that sure i mean uh that changes things it does change. It does. Black <laughs> Velvet is a Black Velvet ones. is a nearly perfect song, but Bust a Move is actually Bust a Move is you threw a memory in my head mm-hmm. talking to a friend of mine. One of the funniest, dumbest uh things that eventually became a runner was, "Hey man, you want to go to a party?" Mm-hmm. Okay, Smarty. And then <laughs> Smarty became synonymous <laughs> with, "Hey, there's a party tonight." If he called and I got it was Tommy, my buddy Tommy called and he was like, "Hey, Smarty," I was like, "Oh, are we going to a party?" Is Tommy the one who was run over doing that weird skating thing you guys did? Yes. <laughs> we miss you, Tommy. Yeah. The- <laughs> Earth's missing one of its angels. Yeah. No, that Tommy's was the hill fine. that killed Peter. There's the hill one that killed Peter. One of the singles here the, the, the hill yeah. that killed Peter. Oh, God. <laughs> By the Pasadenos. Here's another one. I don't think this will win, but this is another big song, which is Once Bitten, Twice Shy mm-hmm. by Great White. Yeah, I don't think it beats Bust a Move or Black Velvet. All right, I have one. Oh. This is, this is uh by Does was. a whole new does does uh does a uh, part of your world count? I don't know if Jody Benson ever had another hit. No, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She <laughs> She had the other songs from she had all the songs off that album. They were all hits. That's fair. All right. This is also from 1989. This is by the band Was Not Was. And all I'm going to do, I can say two things. Mm-hmm. First, I'll say, open the door, get on the floor. Everybody, Everybody walk the dinosaur. Walk the dinosaur. Or I could say, boom, boom, akalakalaka, boom, 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 akalaka. Akalaka, boom, boom. <laughs> that is a very 80s song. It is yeah. very 80s. It came in right under the wire in 89. Yeah, it sure did. It is a lot of fun. Again, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, Dwayne? I don't think it beats Black Velvet or Bust a Move. I think those are our, those yeah. are our two horses I, in the race. I, I think Black Velvet and Bust a Move are, are the, the choices. And I think I kind of, and this is just a little bit biased based off what we've already got on the list, kind of mm-hmm. Black Velvet. We don't have anything that's really that like eighties rock, like sound. Yeah. We don't have any like hair metal. Yeah. 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 Because none of that was, we didn't get a lot of one hit wonders of yeah. those types of artists, but this gives us a chance to kind of highlight that. Cause that's also an incredibly iconic sound of the eighties is that yeah. hair metal sound. I wouldn't necessarily call black velvet the hair metal sound, but yeah, it's, it's the most adjacent to it. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I, I never thought about that. A lot of the hair metal bands, they would have one huge hit. And then one like little hit that would kick him out of the running. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Saigon Kicks, Love is on the Way is a great song, but I'm pretty sure Saigon Kick charted with one other song. So it takes him out of the mix. Yeah, I think it is Black Velvet. I think it's such a good song, too. Mm-hmm. It has a like a Bonnie Tyler feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just and it's one of those. It's just I think it loses a few points for not for sounding. It sounds timeless to me. When I yeah. saw that it was 1989, I was like, huh, I thought that was later. I thought that was like a 90s song, but it, do- it does feel like a song out of time. But boy, is it good. So we have our list of finalists. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, I we do. It. Yep. All right. Hal, can you read that for us? 
I'm ne- what I'm now going to f- I'm now going to filter and show only our finalists. Oh, revealed for the very first time. We have Funky Town by Lips Inc. Eight six seven five three zero nine slash Jenny by Tommy Two Tone. I ran so far away by a flock of seagulls. Ninety nine Luft Balloons by Nena. Somebody's watching me by Rockwell. Aha's take on me. We don't have to take our clothes off from Jermaine Stewart. Buster Poindexter's hot, hot, hot. Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. And finally, in that smooth Southern style, it's Black Velvet by Alana Miles. That's coming up next on WWGT Radio. But first, here's a power block of the early version of Michael Sembello's music that is all about serial killers and their victims. <laughs> I have a thought of what might be the case, and I don't know it to be true. Mm. So I'm going to try. I'm going to count backwards, three, two, one, and then everybody say what you think it might be. I have a thought that we might be narrowing it. Is everybody down with that? You think that will narrow it? If we, whatever we each say is a finalist. I think we might all say the same. I think we, looking at this list, thinking best 80s one-hit wonder, mm. I think we might have... One, two, or three of us on the same page already. God, it's so funny how many of these songs are like time machines for me. I remember I my life when Hot, Hot, Hot was a hit. Yeah. And say the one that you think it, uh, your first gut reaction to what you think it might be. Yes. Is that the saddest thing I ever said? What? I remember my life when Hot, Hot, Hot was a hit. I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I just had this thought. Of like, no, no, no. You've said way sadder stuff on this show. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. <clears throat> okay. Three, two, one. Take on, on me. me. What did you say, Dwayne? I said I ran. I yes. ran. Okay. So that take on me is my sec- would have been my second choice. Well, we have two take two. We have two take on me's and an I ran. That is where I, that's honestly where I, I thought we might get three take on me's, two take on me's and a, and an I ran feels correct. We've narrowed it down to two, gentlemen. Let's talk. Yeah. Dwayne, I want to hear the argument for, I think we should sort of put forth an argument for each one and then we can decide collectively because we are mm-hmm. a collective body of decision makers. That's true. Whatever we do is going to be, we're all on board with it. So why do you think it's Iran over take on me? For me, it's, I weigh the music video a little bit less than the mm-hmm. song itself only because I wasn't alive when the music video came out. I, I don't know if I've ever actually seen the music video for Take On Me. And I've main, I've maybe seen the Iran music video once or twice. Neither one of them weighs too much for me on the, on the pick. It was a hundred percent just about the song itself. And Iran, it's got that. 80s like synth change to like more electronic instruments for lack of an exact term for that but it's also the first song that i think of when i think about the 80s like i know that it, this was one hit wonders so obviously no madonna prince michael jackson but even mm-hmm. above those artists i still think about this song more when i think about iconic 80s music yeah okay i would offer as a counter to that, and, and Mark, I obviously would love to hear your thoughts as well. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a very, very good argument for Flock of Seagulls. The sound that it has is a very 1980 sound. If you remove it, even from the iconic haircuts of the two dudes who were a flock of seagulls, which is another like major component. That is, that was a whole mood 
just mm-hmm. to look at them. So it, it is a package deal, but just to the, the sound of the song, you're right. I think what maybe gets forgotten with Aha is how heavily synthesized it is. Everything from the drums, the drums either sound overproduced or synthesized. Certainly there are a lot of like synth keyboards in it. Everything in it is very much, this is the middle of the eighties and synth in no small part. Thanks to Flock of Seagulls being part of that movement. And maybe that's the decider at the end is that they, they were sort of progenitors of making this sound widespread, but it is a heavily synthesized sound throughout mm-hmm. that, throughout that song. And it's easy to forget it because it's so wrapped up in, for most people is wrapped up in the visuals, but I'm sitting here thinking about it going, I'm trying to think if there's any sound in in that song outside of the vocals that can't be produced or might not have been produced by a Casio. And, and I don't know if I can pick something out that wasn't, that wasn't a, a synthesized sound. Mark, where's your head? I honestly, for me, it's just, it, it comes down to the song that I just like the most. And for me, I, I just have an affinity for the song take on me. I love the crazy high note in the chorus. I love the, um, the I love the the variety within the song, but with Iran, I love that synthesized drum sound that feels so nineteen. Aside from all the other synthesized instruments, that synthesizer drum that they have, especially at the end of the like pause, when it kicks back in right in there, that to me is what the eighties sound like. So if we are using I. I don't know. This is hard. This is, this is tough. I will stand by my original aha take on me, but I do not hate the idea of Iran winning this. I wonder if take on me has ascended the eighties too much. If one of our criteria is this is a song of the eighties. I Mm -hmm. wonder if, you know, the visuals of it, because really the visuals are so heavily tied to it that sure. I know they did a commercial a few years ago that played with this idea. And, and it was a, it certainly was a throwback and a flashback, but it, it kind of has moved beyond it being the year 1985. It is a seminal piece of eighties music and a seminal mm-hmm. piece of eighties culture when taken as a whole. But I wonder if like it, there's just no. Oh, I, there's something about eighties and a flock of seagulls. It just feels like it's something about it feels right. Yeah. That's, that, that's, I don't, yeah, it's, that's why I went with, cause I think if we're talking about the song that I actually like more, I mm-hmm. think I do like take on me more as a song, but when I'm trying to pick the eighties, one hit wonder, there's just something so undeniable about Iron yeah. and a flock of seagulls that I'm like, that is the eighties one hit wonder. Yeah. yeah. A flock of seagulls walked into a room in any year other than the year that this song came out. You would think that they had been in a time machine, whether that was them showing up in 2021 and you're like, Oh my God, these guys from the eighties are here. Or if it was the 1950s and it was, Oh my God, these guys from the future are here. They are so. Visually of the moment, their look, I think the sound is very of its time. Yeah, I mean, Flock of Seagulls is kind of the butt of jokes about one-hit wonders. Like I said, I have no problem with it being either of these. I am fully down for Iran 
taking the win in this specifically because we said because, well, the first criteria that you mentioned, Dwayne, was the 1980s-ness of it. That combined with Hal just now saying that Iran has surpassed the 1980s and moved into, I don't know, let's say Broadway in the year 2021 with Moulin Rouge the musical. Shoehorned another one in there. <laughs> son did. of a gun. You know what? You know what I did after I shoehorned that in so that you couldn't attack me and tackle me? What? I ran, Hal. I ran so far away. <laughs> all right i think we've got our answer i think we have our answer too people of the world i walked along the avenue i never thought i'd meet a girl like you meet a girl like you with auburn hair and tawny eyes the kind of eyes that hypnotize me through tawny eyes hypnotize me through just go with it mark like an owl and i ran i ran so far away i just ran i ran all night and day <laughs> i couldn't get away what? Yeah, surprise. <laughs> Spend the rest of your life trying to figure out just that part of it. <laughs> and you will find yourself embroiled in a web of lies and conspiracies masquerading as the greatest 80s one-hit wonder as decided here today for all time, forever. The 80s are closed. They've already happened. That's there aren't right. any new 80s hits coming out. Even the undiscovered stuff cannot beat the greatest 80s one-hit wonder. From a flock of seagulls, I ran off of the album, also called A Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> Asked and answered. Dwayne Burke, thanks for coming on the show today. This was a delight. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure getting to talk about, <laughs> for, for once getting to talk about music. I spend so much time talking about movies and TV, but talking music is, is a lot of fun too. Oh, wow. let's get him back for a movie or TV one that he doesn't yeah, want to trap him. Yeah, we got it now. <laughs> we we yeah. lured him in. We had music. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's like the hanging alien bits that Chewbacca grabs a hold of. Well, where can uh, where can people find you? What do you want to know about? What are you? What's what projects are you excited about? The floor is yours. Uh, yeah. If anyone wants to find me, you can find me at Burke Made. Literally any platform. If I'm on it. That's my handle on it. I was lucky enough to find one that was free everywhere. Nice. <laughs> on my YouTube channel every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific for technical difficulties. Uh, it's a live stream where I will walk through some broadcast engineering stuff and show you how to do it. Uh, last week I went or no, was it last week? Maybe not last week, but one of these weeks I showed how to make a $35 webcam look like a DSLR. Um, wow. So really, I got to go watch this. That's one of my favorite episodes that I've done on Fridays is the show you guys love the name of dessert men live. That's Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific mm -hmm. where I talk about movies, TV, general pop culture, and then dessert. on <laughs> and dessert. dessert. And then on Tuesdays on twitch.tv slash the schmodown. That is the show that I am the engineer for. It is a live movie trivia competition. Ooh. It is the gold standard in movie trivia. It is so much fun. We've combined movie trivia with wrestling and storylines and personalities to create this ridiculous show that is so much fun to produce and so much fun to watch. So please check it out. You right. are the Ryan Seacrest of online content. There is not a day that you don't have a show going live, it seems. Yeah. And I just want to say for the record, Schmodown knows that if they invited you and I on Mark, that we would never lose. So we will That's never right. stop asking. Yeah. 
Yeah. Goodness Stop sake. asking right here, right now, Dwayne. But yeah. Stop it. <laughs> this topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets, or you can email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group. Talk about your favorite 80s one it wonders. Play videos of them in there, like I was playing unwittingly during the recording of this episode. That's Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash We Got This Podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for giving us a chance to sit down with Dwayne and talk about our collective, all three of us, our childhoods in the 80s. Right, Dwayne? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> <sighs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For how Loveland, I'm Mark Agliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. Don't worry, everybody. We got got this. this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.